Hey, Universe. So, yeah, uh, believe it or not, documenting today is probably worth the event just because, honestly, I can't remember the last time I volunteered to go to work on a day that I had off. And I did that today. Bum, 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 bum. In America, aren't trumpets supposed to sound when you do stuff like this? I don't know. But no trumpets having just sounded. That's okay. I don't need the fanfare. I need the cashola. And the little COVID break took 16 hours of what would have normally been pay out of my check. And when you live on a margin where I think I'm down to like 28 bucks in my account, maybe even less, could be like 12. I can't remember. But enough that I know I can't spend any money. So making money seems like a priority. So here on the 17th of April, 2022, which believe it or not is Easter Sunday, and how that date gets figured out, I don't even want to know. But that's the date that I called the store and said, Hey store, since uh, I missed two days for COVID, do you want me to come in and work for four or five hours today? And they said, sure, be here at 10. And now it's 8.44, right? Oh, just now, just turned to 8.44. And um, yeah, I called to volunteer to go in to work on Easter Sunday. <laughs> and it's actually pretty nice out. I'm wearing shorts. I also volunteered to uh, play tennis with my dad after work. How crazy is that? Well, not that crazy because that means I'm going to get picked up from work instead of having to ride my bike home. Which means I have to take the bus to work, which really means I only have about 10 minutes of recording time here. And that may turn today into a choppy recording montage because I don't know if I can get through all this in 10 minutes. I mean, let's face it, I can't get through one thought in 10 minutes, so how am I going to get through all four of these? I'm going to pause because to get through any thoughts, well, I have to have some deeper thoughts. Okay, well, it looks like I'm just going to have to document that moment because I think I am going to try to take the bus. Instead of taking the bus, I could just walk. But that seems like more energy than I'm really up for. Walking five miles. I don't even know if it's five miles. At any rate, this is just going to be the intro. There will be more coming. I will pause from here and get back to you. Wait. All right. I'm recording a preamble 13 seconds after hitting stop on the last moment of recording about... Why am I always my own biggest problem? You'll see at the end. It's terrible. It has no point. I'm not trying to even pretend this episode has a point other than this, which I guess I could just sum up in 45 seconds for anybody who doesn't want to listen to 45 minutes. Sorry about the dog. It's so easy for me to see something. My immediate read is this screws me over, and then 10 hours later have come so full circle that not only does it not screw me over, but it is directly in my favor in ways that only now in my new version of thinking through things on a cyclical, rhythmic way do I see. And today was just a perfect example of how I can be 
the only reason that I'm having a bad day and oftentimes am doing so under the delusional misconception that stuff isn't working out in my favor when in fact it is all working out in my favor exactly the way it needs to be to give me the opportunities to do exactly what needs to come next. If I'm too thick-headed to see all that, then just stop now. Don't listen to another word. Go outside, fly a kite, do something, wake up a dog, take it for a walk. There is so nothing more here to be learned other than I have that lesson to learn over and over again. I doubt you do. On that note, uh, I'd say go fly that kite. Hey, universe. It's 11.59, and since this is basically my sweet spot, uh, you'd think I was signing on with some sense of centeredness, some sense of what I have from today to bring into the rest of myself as a learning-slash-momentous experience on which to build a better life, or... Today was just one screwball after another. Some of my own doing, some not. All of which, in the long run, if I'm supposed to understand how this all helps things get better, well, I guess let's start working through how the day went. But before we do that, uh, I've got a five-finger lineup here to help coordinate the process. That lineup will include number one on the list, cantaloupe haze. Cantaloupe haze, yay! That's some sugar wax. We're going to follow that up with some strawberry cough shatter, followed by some Durban poison hash oil. That will then be augmented by some redheaded stranger wax crumble. And wax crumble, is that a very fair assessment of what this is? Yep, it does look so. And uh, as the session wears on, well, a little Lebanese hash on top of some golden goat grain. Those are the five fingers that will fit into the glove as that glove has been fit like O.J. Simpson at a trial. I will be back. Okay, like... Where does the O.J. Simpson reference come from? I mean, yeah, fingers, gloves, glove, Simpson, I get it. But uh, between that and the uh, looking for the real killer joke and the, I don't know, the situational mishap that it is to see him arrested in Las Vegas for burglarizing his own memorabilia. There are times when Mr. Simpson's appropriate, but a casual O.J. Simpson reference is just, it's the kind of day I've had where it's just like, wait, what? Why am I saying that? Why is that happening? How did this become this way? Well, that's not what I thought was going to go on. And in some ways, I think the days that are the most disorienting for me are the ones that throw too much 
unexpected doubt into the outcomes. Like, um, you never know what your impression is on the composite body of your employer in a big box environment uh, in your first three to six weeks. There are too many people to even introduce yourself to and understand who they are and what they do to even feel like you have a read on how the entire uh, operation is functioning. You are a deer in the headlights like a dog what are you coughing on over there? You haven't had anything to eat for five hours. Um, and so well aware am I of this that any moment of disconnect in the first 35 to 75 days um, feels like there goes the system again. Okay. But as someone who uh, signed into the work agreement with the open availability of completely open availability, not even asking for Tuesday mornings to go to Shangri-La to worship the golden caribou. Nope, I don't need any time off. You can schedule me as liberally as you need to, wherever you want to, any time of day, please put AM or PM next to my times so I know what time to show up. That's really it. And so in your first month, you get, what, 25 to 30 hours just to uh, introduce you to the scheduled shifts that are there, the times you'll be coming in and leaving, how those all processes work, right? You get the variety, the gift basket of here's the opens, the closes, the mids. This is how these people are preparing and these are the ways they are handing off to the next. All of that fluidity needs to be trained up. While none of that actually happened, since every shift I've had has started at 6 a.m., except two shifts starting at 10, um, which is fine, because in a place like this, one of the most important things is to make sure people get their shit, especially people like me, to work on time. Uh, can you count on them? Give them 60 days of 6 a.m.s. If they make it through that, well, you know, you've got at least somebody who uh, knows how to set their alarm clock. But... Even expecting those types of uh, remunerations from my previous faux pas of constantly being late. Um, there is one schedule that is by far the worst. There is no schedule that can... Well, there is one schedule that can be argued that's worse. But when you get scheduled five days, four-hour shifts, all opens and split days off, well, arguably that is the absolute worst schedule in the world because you're devoting five days of your life to a job 
but only getting 20 hours of total time in that investment of actual return monetary pay. Um, now, you are splitting your days off, so even trying to find some way to pick up some quick one-day, two-day work time of uh, temp job is a lot harder if your days off are Tuesday and Saturday instead of Wednesday, Thursday, just in general. I'm not saying it's undoable. I'm just saying it's a hurdle that's harder than the back-to-back days off, especially if you are only looking to work one of those days. Frequently, finding one day in a two-day section is easier than striking out on one day and then hoping for the best on the next day. It's just a lot of stuff that goes into that. All of that's so not interesting. But that is the, well, the the arguably other shift schedule that's worse is getting five, six-hour shifts where you're forced to take a lunch. So you have to take a half hour off in what is otherwise five and a half hours of getting paid. It's arguable. I'd say that's worse. But these are fine, fine lines. So... If I hadn't gotten one of the bottom 10 worst schedules the week before coming out of my training schedules, which have basically been three straight weeks of exactly the same 28-hour shifts. So in my first not training schedule, I get four shifts, four opens, uh, one of which is an eight-hour shift, but I'm sorry, it's four shifts, three opens, one of which is an eight-hour shift, so a 6 to 10, a 6 to 2.30, and a 6 to 10, plus a 5 to 9, which is the only uh, not 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. shift I've had yet. So in week five, I will get my first p.m. shift. Four-hour shift, learn to close, I assume. That's what I have the week before. I then come back for five opens, including split days off. So inside of your schedule request are the ability to request a few things. You can request half hour or hour lunches. Half hour is enough lunch time for me, so that's all I ask for. Easy enough. Never miss that. That's been there every time I've looked. Uh, You also have the choice to ask for combined days off, split days off. So I've asked for combined days off, which I've also gotten every week except this week where I'm splitting days off in this open, 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 open. Now, um, two things. One, this may be the schedule you get in week six, just to let you know that, yeah, this is the schedule you can get sometimes. There's no reason not to throw the worst meat on the bone to everybody in the store to say, listen, uh... We never really want this to be what your week looks like, but it can look like this. Everybody's going to work a week like this. If you come to us and bitch about it, well, then that lets us know that you're kind of a whiny baby. All right. I say yes to that, except that the week before that, I have a terrible schedule as well. So if you get two terrible schedules in a row, and yet we're talking about weeks four and five, Um, are you at that point, a bitchy complaint kind of employee, if you go say, Hey, I'm just curious if 
my schedule and uh, what I thought I was going to be seeing uh, aren't lining up as clearly as I'd hoped if there's anything that can be done or if I'm just a little early in my uh, training and need to shut the fuck up and get out of your office. I don't know. That's a risky situation to be in. So there's point number one. Doubt. What should I do? I do not doubt that I should hit the pause button. Okay, so that's how the beginning of my day going left happened. Because up until this point, and this point is 3 o'clock in the afternoon, let's be clear. Because up until this point, I have done what I consider to be way outside of my um, good-for-myself sort of routine and felt really good about having done it. What do I mean? I mean, I actually did something that I knew would make me feel good, even though it was going to be more work and more effort in the long run, than if I had chosen not to do it. And having already uh, documented that moment from the morning, um, yeah, I chose to go in and work up in my own best interest and uh, in a way to help serve the hours missed from what is a stupid hiccup of COVID. Well... Uh, all of that was win, 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 win. Until I looked at my freaking schedule for the week of second week of May. And I thought, oh, you got to be kidding me. Because when I saw the schedule that was bottom 10, I thought, okay, yeah. I'm due a 20-hour turd of a schedule. And uh, I'll just keep my mouth shut and work it. And uh, that was my plan until I saw that I got the even turdier schedule. And then it was like, okay, if I keep my mouth shut one more week and then get anything in the bottom five schedule range again, well, now how much complaining do I even do if I've already set the standard the previous two weeks that this schedule didn't do anything to me? I didn't even come in and say, just curious if... I'm in training still or full-time is available or if there's another department that needs help or can I get more hours? I never showed any initiatives, so why would you give me anything but this? Versus, listen, buddy, it's week five. Um, get out of training, at least get through 60 days, and then once you've got that rhythm down, if your schedule still looks abhorrent, can we talk then? <sighs> Doubt. Well, being one to never ever push the envelope until I am literally standing on a scabby pile of this could go to the emergency room at any minute. Um, like my dog, I just let these things roll off my back and hope for the best. So that's what I'll end up doing here, at least until Wednesday when the next schedule comes out. If the next schedule is a turd swimming in a punch bowl, I believe on that day I'll be working, and then I will have a reason to go into HR and at least say, hey, I don't want to be premature in thinking that maybe I'm disappointing you, but these schedules are tough to live with if I'm going to pay bills in America. And I think that's a fair argument, especially three weeks in of only making 20 hours a week. But until that happens, well... I suppose I should pause for a little 420 or a little 1502. So the 
time jokes don't work when I have stuttered recordings, so hmm. chalk that up for the lost column. Moving on. Literally moving on. This conundrum with how to not feel um, eh, under um, <laughs> under recognized I don't even know but if one of the reasons you go back to a place is that there's a familiarity with who you are and what you're capable of and then it seems like none of that is active whatsoever um, is that a disconnect in what your expectations were versus what you should have expected perhaps like everybody two plus years out comes back in as a brand new guppy in a pond full of goldfish and swim upstream you will my friend until day 91 when you will bask in the glory of jacuzzis and uh, saunas and hot tubs and anything else that we can do to get your mind off the grind of the work that will be expected of you in a 10, 12, 14 hour shift. Maybe, maybe that's how it all goes down. But um, the first moment of seeing that 6 to 10, 6 to 10, 6 to 10 day off, 6 to 10, 6 to 10 day off schedule was thinking, um, well, I got to find another job, right? Like immediately thinking, well, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. And, okay, it isn't going to work. That's the truth. If it stays that way for more than a month, it isn't going to work. But it is going to work okay for a week, frankly. And when I had to ask myself, am I more upset that it says 6 to 10, 5 days a week with two splits, days off? In other words... What if it said 6 to 2.30 every day? Would I be just fine with it? Well, yeah, of course I would. I would actually expect that that's what my schedule is going to look like. So the disappointment here is in not getting enough coverage. Mostly. Because really the disappointment is biking to work for four hours of return investment to bike home and to do it from 6 to 10 a.m. Well, thinks the side of me who doesn't just lament not being able to stay up till 4 in the morning every night. Okay, but if you are going to have to work five four-hour shifts in any given week, the four hours you work are irrelevant. It's the same. I mean, are you that clock-oriented that you can't just adjust on four hours of commitment? Are you that princess sleeping on a pea pod? Uh, that was my first moment of clarity, of going, okay, wait a second. I am way too concerned about myself in this situation. Because... It's almost like five weeks in with somebody who 
you really are hitting it off with. And you randomly show up at their place after work to see if you can talk them into going out for dinner. And they're headed on a date with somebody. And you're like, whoa, fuck, I didn't even know that was an option right now. But of course it's an option. And I will call you when, how about you call me? How about, I'm going to go to Burger King and hopefully that's not where you're going. But anyway, see you. Uh, It's just a moment of something here that uh, felt like it was building into um, a a win-win situation is now feeling like, boy, I, uh, I might have to ask if there's some training I overlooked or did incorrectly. Uh, at some point, if I'm not at least challenged more than to come in and water plants. And, again, meat grinder, meat, a piece of sausage, ready to go in to be ground down. Part of this, I'm sure, is inflated Johnisms needing to be polished down into the John Rocks that are not so abrasive when they are held in bare hands. Yes, I I couldn't agree more. Which is why I work these things out here, not anywhere of consequence. Because I do know that overinflated sense of who I am, what I deserve, what should be coming to me versus what I have truly staked out in the world as something of my uh, effort and return... Well, those scales have been nothing but the broken down, rusted remnants of a playground that just was never used for the appropriate purpose. Wherever I look, I can see myself having never felt that anything out there was truly worth going and achieving. Maybe that's ultimately where I was the most nihilistic. I couldn't see a a real life that looked like winning. Above board winning. Across multiple categories, winning. I mean, sure, there were... There's Rafael Nadal. There is... Hmm. Who is the most Rafael Nadal in golf? Um, Sebi Ballesteros, maybe. Uh, I always loved Ernie Els and Freddie Couples relationship with the game they seemed both gaining and giving in every moment they were experiencing and I'm not saying there aren't a ton of those people in the game there are but I don't think it's 
something that maybe the world number ones are as likely to be living with as, say, somebody like uh, Steve Stricker. Um, hmm. Uh, I would actually put uh, Faldo, Nick Faldo on the list. And I wouldn't have a decade ago, even 15 years ago. I would have thought he'd have never been on that list, but he's made it in the booth for me that his relationship to the game was something I had misunderstood on the course. Unlike, say, someone like Greg Norman, whose relationship to the game has taken its bite. Shark pun intended. Pause. Okay. <clears throat> I do not want to get distracted talking about golf, but there is the fascinating element that... I believe golf necessitates, and maybe athletics at the highest level necessitates this in every instance, but since golf is the only place I've ever truly had those moments of transcendent performance, I recognize it in golfers. But if you aren't able to release all of the mental clutter that it takes to to allow the moment you're experiencing to align exactly with who you are, then you can't succeed. And a guy like David Duvall was ascending in a time much like uh, tennis the equipment was changing the game, as was fitness, nutrition, um, strength training, flexibility training, a whole level of innovative golf strategy emerged in the 90s and 2000s. And a big part of that was Tiger Woods because he had a regimen of both body care and strength training that superseded everybody on tour at the time except the biggest health nuts. And I still think he might have superseded everybody because golf until the 90s and really until Tiger Woods' emergence was a sport that somebody like Craig Stadler could be arguably obese and top 10 golfer in the world there was smoking on the course and still is it's hard to argue a sport that can sustain an obese or smoking player into the top 10 currently ranked in the world is truly a sport well tiger woods somewhat changed that now the argument i think is still very valid but he came in and said, I won't be out worked, out prepped, out nutritioned, out staminaed by anybody and intimidated the hell out of everybody <laughs> because nobody was ready for that. On some level, everybody was ready for a little bit of it, but nobody was ready for that level of piercing dedication to whatever it took to win. 
not just to win, but obliterate the competition. It was Michael Jordan attitude in golf. And except for the transcendent talents who dazzled the field, Ben Hogan, Byron Nelson, Jack Nicklaus, the truly great separation that they had wasn't because Jack Nicholas wasn't willing to sit down and have whatever for dinner, but Tiger Woods was on a nutrition regimen. Well, David Duvall was more the Barney Rubble of golf than he was the Tiger Woods of golf. But he was number one in the world in 98-99. I'm going to say 98. Maybe 99 too. He was... At his peak, he shot 59 to win a tournament. I think it was the mm, Ben Hogan. (laughs) Now that I've said all those names, probably Arnold Palmer. I don't know. It was one of those tier B tournaments, but it was Sunday afternoon drama. I mean, it was a 59 in a PGA tournament. That is some serious scoreboard, 80 points on the floor, Kobe Bryant type of achievement. He was that good. And then he started working out. And he lost his game forever. Literally. Never played at that level again. And I won't say it was just the working out. But he was the part of golf that had the reckoning of am I doing as much as I can to facilitate the best physical golf game my body can generate with my current preparation and recreational schedule. If you looked at David Duvall, the answer was no. He clearly was eating more donuts than running rings around tracks. But he was the number one golfer in the world. Now, uh, golf has the identity crisis. Are we a sport? Are we a sport? Should we be running from tee to green? Of course, they didn't have that conversation. But there is the skill versus sport that billiards, golf, bowling will always suffer darts. And golf is the closest to winning the argument hands down as a sport, but it can't clear the hurdle of people smoke and play golf. That's almost to me a line in which you now are a recreational activity, not a sport, but not everyone does, but professionals do that matters. Um, and so what happened to poor David Duvall is because he saw himself ascending and still had no idea what his ceiling truly was. Well, the next logical step was nutritional therapist, dietitian, physical therapist, exercise routine, strength training, flexibility training. 
everything necessary to tinker his game into oblivion. <laughs> and he's not the first. Uh, Ian Baker Finch did it in the 70s. Lost his, he lost his putting, if I remember right. He could not putt from 10 feet in. Literally just got the yips. Never got it back, if I remember right. And I know there was a guy in like the 40s, not the 40s, but 50s or 60s. If he said his name, I'd, I'd say, yeah, that's him. Like Guy Muna, Munch, Munich, I don't know. Who also just lost it mentally. Could never gain his confidence back to swing at the professional level. And that's essentially what happened to David Duvall. Say what you will. But to me, he started losing weight and getting in shape and lost his swing in the process. So does that fundamentally argue for golf as a skill? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it does. Maybe David Duvall is the card that says golf is a skill. Because I think if David Duvall continues to go home, eat ho-hos, play PlayStation, and show up at the driving range to smash balls, he could have been the true contender to Tiger Woods' emergence in the aughts. David had the game for it. He certainly had the all-round game for it. But he couldn't believe that somebody like Tiger Woods might be doing it his own way. Nope. That was the future of golf. And damn it, if the number one player in the world can't see the future of golf and do something to adjust and adapt accordingly, well then, I guess... Get ready for being left behind. I don't know. David Duvall is one of the biggest sore spots for me in terms of, wait, what? That maybe someday I'll figure it, figure it all out. But... I truly believe that David Duvall lost his touch with the best golf game on the planet by getting into better shape, eating better, and committing to a lifestyle that was not really him. But what do I know? Nothing. Okay, back to uh, today. So after convincing myself that would I rather have been committed to a full-time schedule with the same sort of hours? No. I would have rather been given a schedule that said, okay, come in at somewhere between 6 and 10, stay until somewhere between 12 and 2, and then tell us if for some reason you want to stay later, and then we'll accommodate that for you. Really, no schedule I was going to look at was going to go, oh my God, they got me perfectly. Because all of it is going to look like an incursion on the time that I wish I was doing something else. So that was Hakuna Matata moment number two. I can rank schedules in the bottom ten all I want. 
But when you get right down to it, every work schedule is a bottom tenner. Or it would say days off, getting paid, paid holiday, paid holiday, paid vacation. But it doesn't. It says come to work at these times and perform. Okay. To me, those are all pretty similar. So, Hakuna Matata moment number three. Well, they did give me five days. Meaning, it's not like they gave me three days. That would be an indicator that I think there was more to be told here than just this is a shitty schedule, but it can happen to anybody. And Hakuna Matata moment number four, they're always looking to cover hours because people call in, people get COVID, people whatever. And if you're the guy who opened, you're the one guy who has the rest of the day available. So on any of the five days that I'm there, I'll bet you there is some negotiation sooner or later that could get me some more hours. So if this is a question of not getting paid enough, really, Hakuna Matata number five, if you think of it more as a mm, an early cut schedule that I have a lot of say as to whether or not I decide to stay late, well then, Hakuna Matata moment number six, hell, this isn't, actually that bad a schedule at all if i could do anything to it what i might do is take it from five days to four and frankly then i don't care if you give me every other day off i really don't the not getting two days off in a row is kind of annoying because it's easier to deal with having two days off in a row to get stuff done but i can live with that especially if somehow i could have four days on three days off And those four days on, go ahead, give me the six to tens. Because if I miss my mark, and in fact, hours are scant, well, I'll be surprised. Because I'll bet on three out of four days, I could say, if you need me to stick around for a couple hours, three hours, four hours, whatever, I feel like. Hmm. Well, all the way to Hakuna Matata number seven. Man, why am I always so quick to react when I see something slightly less than I would have done it myself as if I have been wronged again by the universe? When I got to the end of the day, despite having explained all this to my dog, and she was very attentive while I was trying to explain it to her, that I had unscrewed myself from a position that was just a random chance of being screwed into in the first place. Anyhow, the only reason that I knew my schedule today was because at the end of the day, when I was trying to kill 15 minutes of break time, that I had saved till the very last part of my shift. I went online because I was thinking there were some insurance things I was supposed to look at in my first 30 days. I couldn't find them. But while online, I was like, oh, I should check my schedule. Random. And so what had I not had that little burst of thought in seven minutes of time would have left me completely oblivious to any of this. Sitting here tonight going, 
Oh, I bet I'm going to have to work full-time that next week. They'll probably want to kick my ass all over the place. I'd have had no idea. But that little quirk of investigation into knowing what my future looked like set me on a seven-hour upside-down, inside-out fruitcake of a ride that, honestly, I guess was worth it, right? I mean, yeah, I'm the dumbass throughout the entire story who keeps getting paint spilled on myself until I finally learned that I'm the one creating all the tracks around here making all the mess. And if all I would do is take off my shoes, then maybe we wouldn't have paint everywhere. Oh, wait. That's not even paint. I mean, I'm so far from knowing what anymore is is who I really am and what I'm going to get out of things. Do you know what the last thought I had? Hakuna Matata number eight. Well, you know what happens to me when you force me to get up at 6 a.m. and then at 10 a.m. basically say, that's it, have a good day. Well, you give me an entire day in which to do whatever because I've already done my work quote unquote so now what I've got energy I'm up it's only 10 a.m. and I've got an entire day in which no matter what I do the only commitment that I really am depending on making is that 20 hours from now I'd be back in exactly this position ready to go for four more hours okay well, if that doesn't sound like a week where I better be getting my table out and trying to find a public square in which to be kind, understanding, and forgiving, that, to me, seems like the universe lined it up exactly right. They even gave me Tuesday off, which is a day I like to go to the ARC thrift store with my mom because she gets the senior citizen discount of 50% off. So, you never know what kind of cookware you're going to find there at $5. And it's a nice day to spend with my mom. Plus, we'll go to lunch. So, really, the second week of May, which also includes Mother's Day, which I think I'll be working 6 to 10. Well, that's starting to look like one hell of a week. In fact, I'd say after an entire day's pretzeling inside and out, I've come to realize, well, that may be the best day, the best day, the best week 2022 has had to offer me so far. Now, am I going to be right? Well, of course I'm going to be right. I just predicted it. And you know how it goes? Manifest something because you predict it? Isn't that how it always works? Well, here's my chance to look. Four weeks into the future, we'll have a chance to say, Damn, why am I always so quick to be my own problem? Well, universe, it's 11.58 on Easter, the 17th of April. I'm surprised it's not 11.59. Uh, honestly, am, uh, am still surprised it's not 11.59.
but having had the kind of day today that feels like somebody taught me hmm what I don't know this was one of those days you know what hang on stop